Sadly, the Rangers' season has come to an end. The post Molly Walker joins us as we break down why the Rangers were swept by the hurricane. Also, is this the end of Henrik Lundqvist's time with the New York Rangers? The post Larry Brooks tells us why Caroline dominated and talks about the future of the Rangers with Igor at the helm. Former Ranger Nick Fatiu then joins the show to break down the coaching side of the series, positives to take away from the season, and why he thinks the Hurricanes can go on a deep playoff run. All that and more next on Up in the Blue Seats from the New York Post. Ladies and gentlemen, we ask that you direct your attention to center ice for a special presentation. Welcome to Up in the Blue Seats podcast, a New York Rangers podcast from the New York Post. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts. If you're using Apple, give us that five-star rating and write in a nice review, please. While you're there, make sure to subscribe to the Post Baseball Podcast, Amazing But True, with Nelson Figueroa and I, and Pinstripe Pod, our Yankees podcast, with Chris Sheeran and former Yankee Jeff Nelson. Ron chats this week with our pals Larry Brooks and Molly Walker, and now friend of the program, former Ranger Nick Fotiu. Speaking of Ron, here he is, number 10, Ron Duguay. Hello, everyone. Hello, Ranger fans, hockey fans. Yeah, there's a, a level of disappointment this morning with the Rangers going out in three. Was not anticipated, like most of us, after what we saw this past season, the way the Rangers played Carolina, we figured that they had a chance. And although Carolina wasn't at their best, they had their injuries, but we knew that the Rangers going into this series had some confidence, a level of confidence in Kreiderback, team healthy, and I'm not quite sure who was going to be in net, but still we felt like the Rangers had a chance to win. In fact, I picked them to win in four. So you can just imagine how I feel today and like a lot of you feel. But having said that, that's what's so neat and unique about playoff hockey. You just never know what will happen. Injuries happen and it changes everything. Goaltending. A lot of it has to do with goaltending. Good goaltending. Bad goaltending. Veteran players playing up to their levels. Young players playing up. And you see all of that. And so much of that we're going to discuss today. We have uh, Nick Vitu, a good friend of mine, who I believe is a fan favorite as Ranger fans know him. But he also knows the game very well. He's been watching the Rangers play through the playoffs. So he's going to kind of break down what he saw. And also we're going to talk about the season in general. And also with us will be, uh, of course, Brooksy, Larry Brooks for the New York Post. And right now, we get to talk to Molly Walker. Molly, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me again. And Molly now, Ron, is newly verified on Instagram. So she she's here flexing for all of us. She has the blue check. I'm hoping to join the brigade. We have to cater to her schedule now, uh, give her caviar, make sure her steak is done right, <laughs> give her her needs as she transitions to the Islanders now uh, with the Rangers season over. <laughs> give me that plug, Jake. <laughs> yeah. At Molly Walker, two E's, two R's. Don't forget the second E and the second R. Uh, <laughs> Molly, so Molly, every morning I, I go to the corner, corner gas station, I pick up my New York Post because I want to read. I've always read. I love the Post since 1977. And you're getting a lot of coverage, but you're mainly covering the Islanders, but also covering the Rangers. So I believe you have a passion for both teams. You love the game of hockey. And so you got to experience yesterday after the game listening to Kreider, Chris Kreider. What did you get out of Kreider? Because he sounded so deflated, really kind of depressed. He's taking this thing hard. You know, you really could see 
it in both Zabinajad and Kreider's face. It, it really just said it all. They were very, very disappointed. I think they were disappointed in themselves. Chris Kreider said it himself, you know, those first two games were just unacceptable. A lot of players didn't show up and, and he said himself too, you know, he, he put the blame on himself. And that's why I feel like they looked as deflated as they did because they really are, are going hard on themselves right now because they had an opportunity there in game one and two and there was no chance once they went down. Own too, so not fun for them yesterday. What are your overall thoughts when you think about the Rangers going into this playoff series? Uh, they were added to the 24 teams. They really didn't make the playoffs, but they were added because of circumstances. What do you think with what they went through, as disappointing as it is and as it was, what do you think they get out of this? I do think that they get a lot out of this. You know, playoff experience, there are so many players on the team that have never played in a postseason game ever. So just to see the atmosphere, even though it wasn't what it usually is like with fans and home arena advantage and stuff like that it was still playoff hockey it was still I mean the heart the Hurricanes played playoff hockey I knew from the moment that Brady Shea laid that hit on Jesper Foss in the first period that they were there to play and that's how they played the entire three games you know they did not take their foot off the gas pedal and they played playoff hockey and and you really can't say the same for the Rangers they have they played better games in the regular season and it wasn't until that third game that they really showed a any signs of urgency or life and and whether that was because Igor was in net or for whatever reason because their backs were against the wall you know you just can't wait until that game three it just it doesn't work like that Ron and Molly I'm curious from both of you do you think it factors in for these young players not having fans especially at the garden Ron maybe you could speak to this as well like is there a lack of motivation there's nobody in the building you got screens with virtual fans it has to take a lot away from a Rangers team that was really good at home a lot of momentum was lost from that and the fact that there was this layover for months with no hockey guys not staying as fresh as they possibly could you take that away from young guys you know I mean me and Molly are fairly young we're in our 20s we know you you take something away for a while you lose kind of motivation you work from home for a while you lose kind of motivation it's got to be the same for these young players the only thing I can think of that was a disadvantage being a younger player and probably the coaching staff will tell you this is that they didn't feel like the coaching staff would probably say they didn't feel like they had enough time with their young players, meaning they could have used another two or three exhibition games to get themselves set. Where an older team can get himself prepared mentally, he can tap into, like Carolina I'm talking about, Carolina can tap into last year and what they went through because 16 of those players played in those playoffs, and they were a tough team last year, Carolina, in the playoffs. And so for a younger team, I think they could have used more time to prepare and even for some of the skilled players, Zabinajad was not really that noticeable. A lot of his game is his hands. He could have used more games played to be able to get his hands down pat. Panarin was okay. Kreider, it took him a little bit. It wasn't until the third period where he really saw him. He scores that goal and he gets more chances. And so I think the Rangers needed more time to play more at a level of where Carolina was as far as getting prepared with the younger players. I totally agree with Ron. I don't think it was as much of a young thing as it was that they didn't have enough time to really get back into the momentum that they had before the season paused. I really, it was, it was tough to watch. Don't it, cry. It really Don't cry, was. Molly. Don't cry. No, no tears, no tears. I just, I mean, I do feel bad because they had a lot of high hopes, you know, they had a lot of things going for them, um, a lot of confidence going in. And then honestly, Carolina just came in and took it all away. They took every bit of momentum, you know, they used 
Brady Shea had an edge to his game. You know, you could tell that they all wanted to win it for him, you know, that he had a little chip on his shoulder. And, and you know, he said it even before the series, but he played to it too. And, and I don't think that the Rangers were really expecting to see him in that form because, I mean, he really didn't do that with the Rangers as much. So I, Molly, I have to ask you, what are your thoughts and feelings on Because <laughs> it, It's gotten to be where this, this sort of thing happens to players who've been great and towards the end of their career, it doesn't always end the way they want it to end. So your general thoughts on Lundqvist on how it may be, it may be that he played his last game as a New York Ranger. I have a lot of thoughts and feelings about this, Ron, as I imagine a lot of Ranger fans do. One thing that I saw a lot while I was scrolling on Twitter last night was Chris Kreider said, it himself. Henrik Lundqvist deserved better. He had a, such a magnificent career in, in New York and to not come out of it with a cup is is super disheartening, but also doesn't put an exclamation point on his career in New York. It doesn't diminish anything that, he, that he's done. He's still one of the greatest faces of New York to ever do it. But this is a very tragic ending to, to a, what is a phenomenal career. So I'm very curious to see how the Rangers handle it going forward. Who knows if it'll be retirement? Who knows if the NHL will come out that there's, you know, a buyout option because of this coronavirus uh, impacted season. I I really couldn't tell you what's going to happen, but I could tell you something is going to happen that I imagine will take him out of the running altogether and probably end his career. But we'll see. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk some more next week. We'll probably wrap it up next week and talking about uh, the future of the Rangers. We'll talk more about that. We'll have you back on the show. Okay. Well, thank you for your time. Go enjoy the Islanders. Uh, We look forward to your writings in the New York Post. Go enjoy your blue check life as well, you bougie uh, (laughs) bastard over there. I will swipe up on my stories because you can do that now. The swipe up feature, Ron. that's, That's big on there. Okay. Well, thanks, Molly. Uh, now we bring in Rangers beat writer at the New York Post, Larry Brooks. Larry, you can find him on Twitter at NYP underscore Brooksy. And you can read all of his Blue Shirts coverage in the Post and at NYPost.com. Uh, welcome in. I, I woke up this morning. I had a level of disappointment because of uh, uh, love covering the Rangers, love watching the Rangers. And I was not expecting them to go down three straight. How are you feeling today? I think it was a very disappointing performance. Um, I, I don't think, as I, as I wrote for today, I don't think it erases anything that happened during the season. I think this was a very successful season for the Rangers, but I think this was a very unsuccessful day under the bubble, that's for sure. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure why, and uh, <laughs> it'll, it'll be left to, to others to make those ultimate uh, calculations, but the Rangers were the worst team in the tournament. The Rangers were the worst team of the 24 teams there. And I'm not sure I get that. Well, let me ask you, and, and this is what comes to mind for me, because you keep talking, we keep talking about how young they are. Could it be that, and and I guess this is a question for the coaching staff, could it be that they just didn't have enough time to prepare that one exhibition game? Wasn't enough for them to be able to tap into how they finished the season. They just needed more time or more exhibition games to kind of get into playing up where they're at. Does that make sense to you? I don't know. It was the same it was it was the same for the other twenty three teams. So I, I'm I'm not sure. I think they went about their business well in their summer camp. But as I said, you know, repeatedly, both on you know, on on to you and and when I was writing, there was no context in which to put that camp. It had never happened before. You know, we, we you know, you don't know what perspective to take. And yes, what's interesting, you know, what's interesting is that the guys who played, who really stood out in that camp, and the guys were 
were essentially Taco and Heedle. But they actually they were actually guys who played pretty well in, in these three games. And and there were a couple of others too who played well. But I'll tell you what, Adam Fox was terrific in camp and obviously struggled in these three games or, or certainly didn't play the way he did during the season. So I you know I'm not sure the relationship. I'm not sure why. I don't think the Rangers re- responded well to the fact that their number one goalie didn't start the series. I think you know the we had seen that from January on, the Rangers had become pretty much Shesterkin's team. They, they played with a lot of confidence in front of him. They played their best hockey in front of him. He was going to start. And then the night before, they find out that, you know, we find out that he can't play and that Lundqvist is going to play. And, and Lundqvist, is, you know, played capably in game one. He was not the reason they lost the game, I don't think. But I, I think there was just some, I, I don't think they responded well to adversity. Then they, had, then they had another bit of adversity in the first minute of the series where Jesper Foss got blasted out by, by Brady Shea. And they didn't respond to that well at all. Whether it was that youth, I don't know, because I thought in game one, I thought that Jacko and Hedl were actually two of their best, were probably their two best players. Um, I thought Brett Hassan had a, had a really nice three games. I thought that Ryan Lindgren played well. So I don't think it was, it was every kid who suffered. I think you know, certainly at least through the first two games and probably even last night in game three, it was the, the big time players who, who were outplayed. You know, I had said going into this series that the reason I gave the Rangers a chance was A, Walsh Sturkin. I thought he gave them a goaltending edge. And in fact, Carolina goaltenders outplayed the Ranger goaltenders. But I had thought the Rangers had a chance because they were going in with the best two, best two players in the series in Zibanejad and Panarin. They had the best two players. Carolina had the depth, but the Rangers had the best two players. Well, it turns out that Carolina not only had the depth, they had the best not only two players, but probably best six players, but certainly the best two players were Aho and Shvechnikov. So whether they, whether Aho and Shvechnikov, you know, who are young players themselves, but had but had the experience of going to the uh, uh, conference finals a year ago, maybe they took it personally. You know, I, maybe they took their their head up matchup personally, and with an extra year of experience, they knew how to handle it better than the Rangers, the top guys did. So. Um, I think there's a lot to chew on here for management. I'm still trying to figure out why didn't Igor start the series? Because he said, they said, unfit. So I thought maybe today we might read about why he was unfit to play. Do we know why he was unfit to play? We know he suffered, or I know that he suffered some sort of unspecified injury in either the Islander game or the practice before the series is going to start. Um, the reason they said unfit is because that's the language they were compelled to use by the NHL when the league and the Players Association made its agreement that um, there would be no detail given on any player absence because they wanted to protect players' privacy. And if they only did not comment on COVID, then clearly people would be able to deduce which which, which players might have tested positive and which weren't. So there was no information about injuries. But he did not... Um, um, Shesterkin's issue was not COVID-related. He was in the building for the first two games. He watched. Uh, there was there was a minor injury. He wasn't 100%, and the decision was made to go with, with the goalie who was 100%, and that was Lundqvist, who, who as, as, I had, as I had said um, at the time, did have an excellent 
summer camp. So Larry, going into this, one of the comments I made because of my knowledge of having played and I've coached is that with these different circumstances and not having much time to prepare, some coaches will be separated from others. Like good coaching, you're going to see some good coaching. Having said that, do you think that Rangers got outcoached or is it just the way it went? It's difficult to say. It would be difficult to say under ideal circumstances, but you know, I wasn't I wasn't at the games. So it was you're kind of left to the mercy of what you were being shown on television and it was hard to see it was difficult to see whether one coach or the other was especially working matchups hard or whether they just fell into the home road for a second change matchup i thought in game one as as i wrote that Quinn might have had Cackle on rather than Strom after they pulled the goaltender only because Cackle had played so forcefully and so well in that game and Strom had had such a tough one. However, a coach panicking and you know in, in, in game one of a series, going away from the veterans who had played so well during the season probably connotes some sort of panic. So I understood why he stayed with, with his guys. He explained it. He said, look, we have our six on five team and we're happy with it. And I understood that. It was, you know, game one, you, you, don't, you just don't, after 59 minutes, throw everything out the window. He did, the, he did in the middle of game two, switch up his line combinations. He, last night, had Panarin playing with Zibanejad for the entire game, essentially. It's the first time that uh, they played together since, the, you know, before the middle of the season. So that was something different. Rod Brindamore had his team ready. The Rangers, they weren't ready. How much of that goes on to the coach? How much of that goes on to the leadership group? How much of that can be uh, simply can be explained away by the Rangers' inexperience in youth? Uh, um, I think that'll be, uh, you know, those, those will be calculations, again, that management has to reach. The one the one other thing I, I, I think we should say here, though, is that the overarching decisions for management, of course, they're going to be on specific players, but it's going to be on style, too. And I, I think we can all say that Brindamore's personnel is, was more suited to playoff hockey than Quinn's personnel. And I think the Rangers are going to have to become, are going to have to add more north-south players, you know, more meat and potatoes guys. It, it is fun to watch them during the season. They are a fun, entertaining team when they're playing well because they are moving the puck and they've got some really skilled players, highly skilled players. And and, and high-skilled players thrive in the regular season. They do. Um, not only in New York, but everywhere. Um, stars carry teams during the regular season, but teams carry teams <laughs> in, the, in, in the playoffs. And the Rangers are going to need to become a heavier team, a more grinding team, a team that can beat you down on the forecheck, a team that can that can keep the puck below the hash marks, go high low and low high, instead of just become instead of just being a team really that essentially one and done. I mean, they love to score pretty goals and. It's been that way for years in New York, and, and they've gone through some some transformations. But really, uh, after after uh, Tortorella left, um, this has become a team that is that loves to score pretty goals. And the problem is that you don't score enough pretty goals in the playoffs. It's not. It really isn't possible. I thought they would certainly be able to score some against Carolina. Um, they really didn't. Well, Larry, I, I asked that question, and it's no way a knock on on Coach Quinn. I think he did a fabulous job. I think that uh, when you look at Rob Randomore, I think he did a fabulous job. Uh, he had come off last year on. Um, he went deep in the playoffs, so he was an experienced playoff coach. So this, I think, was new to Coach Quinn. I think he's going to learn from it. Uh, so it's no way a knock on him. I think he did a fabulous 
job. In fact, I don't think they would have even made it in this playoff tournament if it wasn't for him. So, but I want to end this with, uh, we'll talk again next week. I want to end this with your thoughts on Lundquist, overall thoughts on Lundquist. My overall thoughts are pretty consistent with what I've believe for the last few months now is is that the Rangers are going to be going with Shesterkin and uh, Georgiev next year, and I'm not sure exactly how this break is going to take place. Um, actually, I'm, I'm writing a column about it for tomorrow. I haven't written it yet. So I'd, I'd, I'd rather wait and see what I have to say before I say it here. I do think that, that the fact that he played these two games and had the opportunity to play these two games makes the break when it comes cleaner than it would have been had the season ended um, pro forma, had the Rangers not made the playoffs, had he wound up you know, playing one of the team's last 30 games, or if they had put him in at the end of the season just for a ceremonial goodbye. I think that would have, I think that would have been, in a sense, demeaning. I don't think there's anything demeaning about this. I think he battled his heart out. I think he played well in Game 1. I think there are a couple of bad ones in Game 2, but I think this is just the natural order now. You know, there, there, is, a, there is a new man here who is poised to take him into the future, and that it's not the 38-year-old goalie. It's the one who's 24. Larry, we look forward to your article, and we'll chat some more next week about it. That and just moving forward with the team and then the playoffs. All right? Thanks for your time. Sounds good, Roddy. Thanks. My guest today played 13 seasons in the NHL, eight of those with the New York Rangers. He accumulated over 1,300 penalty minutes in his career. In his post-career, he went on to coach 12 seasons of professional hockey. Welcome today, a Ranger fan favorite, a former teammate, and a good friend, Nick Fatio. Nick, welcome to the show again. Nick, I, uh, I like to go to you when it comes to kind of breaking down the game because I know that in your career you weren't the type of guy that was really thinking X and O's as far as thinking the game you really in preparation of the game you had to prepare and do a whole lot of fighting thinking who am I going to fight tonight so that's why it's interesting to me what happened at what point in your career that you decided that you wanted to get on the coaching side wanting to help players it started when you're sitting on the bench and you're playing and you're looking at the game and I've always helped players, you know, and uh, I don't know. Coaching came pretty easy to me, you know, with the systems and uh, things I put in, you know, face-off plays, you know, D-zone coverage. You know, when I coached in Hartford, we had 17 shutouts just by on D-zone coverage and the way we shut down the Oilers. It was just a fun thing to watch great players play and then and what makes them better you know, and plays make players better. So I had all these plays that I, you know, and Herbie, like Herb Brooks said, where'd you learn all this stuff? Like, you know, and it was just something, you know, I just, the love of the game. Well, it was a big contrast for you because your game was having to defend your teammates and do a whole lot of fighting. So that was a uh, a big change for you. So when you watch games now, when you're watching the Rangers, because I know you're still a big Ranger fan, when you watch the games now, you're not just watching the game, but you're dissecting the game, correct? I ask you this because in watching this year's Ranger team, what is it that you saw in this team from the beginning? to the end of the season. Like I said, I watch a lot of D-zone coverage and last night I was watching and uh, last year I was watching, the year before I was watching how effective you could be if your winger was on that D like last night when they scored the goal, it was a shot from the point. If the strong side D was on that point, on that D, the strong side winger was on that D, 
They can't go D to D. That's one thing you're taking away from the game. And they can't get a point shot. And that that controls everything on one side of the ice. And like, you know, Steve Valaket, who does the goalie interviews and goalie breakdown, you know, he was the goalie when I put this system in and it made the game much easier for him. So that's one thing I could pick up right away. With the young players on this team, is there certain players that stand out to you where, you know, I like this player. I would love to be able to coach this player when guys like Zibanejad, Panarin, the younger players on, on the crew, Yokako, are there players that stand out? You say, I like these guys. Well, you know, I always like Chris Kreider. You know, I mean, how do you better a player? I think I could better a player because I, I've sent in eight years over 50 players that played in the National Hockey League, and, and that's insane. But I did. Um, and I make plays and, 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 and caring for them and talking to them. I, you make players better. I've always been a Chris Kreider fan. I like this kid, D'Angelo, too. I think he could be a hell of a player. But I think he tries to do too much. You know, like last night, you know, uh, Argo comes in on him. He's standing flat-footed. you got to move. You can't stand flat-footed, you know. And he was just like a tree. Just, he just stood there. He didn't know. I mean, you got to make that move. So there's a lot of players that I see a lot of talent. You know, I mean, like Panera, you, you're not going to change. He has talent. You want to make players that don't have his talent better. That's the whole thing. Make them better players. And with systems and working with them, you can make them better. So everyone woke up today and the Rangers are down. They lost three games to Carolina. Specifically, what did you see with Carolina playing the Rangers? Is there something, the difference? Because the Rangers were able to manage them during the season. They beat them four straight and all of a sudden playoff come, playoff hockey comes and the Rangers go down three straight. Generally, what did you see the difference between Carolina and the New York Rangers. Well, in last night's game, I seen the Rangers play the best period. The first period, they could have been up one nothing. Then Kreider comes back the second period and scores a goal, so they could have been up two nothing right away. But I you know what I seen that I don't know people don't see. I seen Carolina having fun, and I didn't see the Rangers having fun. I seen the smiles on Carolina's face, and I didn't see the Rangers smile. I mean, to me, something was wrong. I mean, if you look at the goalie. I mean, make it big saves. I mean, it's unbelievable. Like, you know, but and then, and then afterwards, the player's going up to him and they're smiling. I didn't see that that smile. Like, you know, I mean, and you know, when we played, I was always smiling. You were always smiling. We were having fun. I don't know. That's what I didn't see. And plus the mistakes that I've seen. So, I mean, you know, you can't, one player can't be three guys <laughs> in a 40-foot area. It's crazy. That's what I see. I think one of the gifts, and again, I don't want to take away from Coach Quinn because I think he's done a wonderful job uh, in uh, getting this young team from where they were at the beginning of the year to where they were at the end of the season. They were two points out. They end up in the playoffs. It was kind of a gift. Now, it was a chore for him to get this young team ready within two weeks. And of course, they play in against an experienced team. But you're right. When you look at Rod Rendemore, and he's an old school guy, he realized as a player playing in the National Hockey League and we realize that you've got to have fun you got to like each other and I think last year that team Carolina was criticized for being a little bit goofy a little silly some of the things that we're doing off the ice before the games these silly celebrations but I'm telling you it adds up to being happy and having fun because that's why when you and I Nick when we look back at 1979 when we went to the Stanley Cup finals uh, no one predicted that we would go that deep one of the reasons why we did it was the character of the team yes we had Freddie Shiro that simplified our game 
but we had a whole lot of fun. So I think moving forward for the Rangers, I think that's a lesson to be learned because you always learn from other teams, other coaches, other players. But you're right. you got to have fun. And I think Coach Quinn is uh, really in teach mode really having to teach these younger players. And sometimes you tend to lose fact that you've got to have fun. Then I got to ask you now, because um, there's going to be a transition right now, because Lundquist may have played his last game. What do you think that means to the team? Because he was a veteran goaltender that was very serious, very, he was the type of guy that worked hard. What do you think that means to the Ranger team if Lundquist is not there next year? Well, I, I, I think they're going to just move forward. You know, I mean, he was a great goaltender. And like, even though I would I would have let, lived and died with him I would say hey go ahead live and die with him because you know throwing a young kid to out there I, I just didn't think he was ready last night he was sliding back and forth he was out of net and almost behind the net when I'm making a save and I'm not criticizing the coach hey he made a decision you know you got to live and die with it but if, if you're talking to me about coaching I would say I would I would live and die with Lundquist but moving forward you know it's over for him so you know it, it comes to everything comes to an end with me you you know and you just got to pick up the pieces and go I mean you you know the Rangers going to be the Rangers whatever the, that jersey always stays the same and the name's change you know so they'll be fine I mean their goaltenders I think great you know they're not not great but it's good it's good they'll mature and move forward yeah Igor shows signs of a calmness and his technique is pretty good but like you said that was a lot of pressure although he didn't look nervous that's a lot of pressure for a kid to go in there especially when he's coming off some sort of minor injury so everything kind of looks good moving forward when you're looking at the rest of the league right now what is it is there a team that pops out at you that you think you know well they're going to be tough to beat is there a couple teams that you can predict that are going to be in the finals i like carolina the way i've seen them play just the way the way I, their attitude like you know everything about them they're going to get that hamilton back right i mean uh, i i like them i mean you know rangers had a good team i mean let's face it they had a good team and carolina beat a good team i thought the rangers had a good team and carolina beat them i'm, I'm picking carolina i'm going to go with an underdog just like when we were an underdog when we were at the rangers we went into philly beat philly right we went into the island beat the islanders you know we lost to montreal we whatever we were underdog okay well we're gonna leave it at that nick we appreciate your time and uh we're gonna do uh, we're gonna keep talking about the rangers moving forward we always love your input you're a fan favorite people love you and we wish you the best and enjoy hockey as it goes through the playoff series all right thank you very much ron you take care thank you fans That puts an end to episode 36 on Up in the Blue Seats. Thanks to Jake Brown for producing the show. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts. Please give us a five-star rating on Apple and write a positive review. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Follow me on Twitter, on Instagram, at RonDuguet10. Thanks for joining us, folks. We will be back next week for our season finale episode as we look ahead to the Rangers offseason. Talk to you all next week and stay safe.